Good afternoon. It is September 29th. Welcome to this week's Brown Janikowski podcast. Today I have Christopher Zand uh, with me joining us. He is one of the financial advisors at Brown Janikowski. Hi, Chris. Hi, Emily. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So I wanted today to ask Chris about some of the issues or topics that people should be exploring as they start to think about um, the financial planning process and coming up with, uh, with goals around their retirement, um, and then specifically what they should do in terms of setting up an investment plan um, to help achieve those goals. Sure, So sure. what are some of those factors, Chris? Yeah, well, when we begin to think about planning our financial future, there are a couple general areas everyone needs to think about. Uh, how much money will I have? at retirement uh, is a big question people want to have answered. But really, to, to, to get there, the first thing you need to ask yourself is actually, how much will I need to live comfortably when I start retirement? And what sort of expenses can I anticipate during retirement? These are kind of the two first major areas you have to look at. And once you understand what your needs are, uh, you can work backwards at looking at your current resources and investments to figure out how those should be invested or dialed in uh, based on the needs you've established. Mm -hmm. So it, what I'm hearing is it, it really involves kind of a, a self-exploration around spending habits in terms of what am I spending now? What do I anticipate spending in the future? Um, and then something that I'm sure you'll talk more about is, you know, who am I and what is really important to me um, in the future around retirement, around planning for, for my financial goals? So, you know, is that a correct assumption? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, part of that is also understanding what kind of investor you'll be mm. because the investment experience is one that typically helps get people to their retirement goals, but depending on how the investment experience is designed and implemented, you will either comfortably get there, uncomfortably get there if the market is going through difficult periods, or you may bail out of the investment plan altogether, which would really be a failure and something we wouldn't want to see. So how can you prevent, uh, prevent doing that? Well, the first thing you can do to prevent that is understanding what your time horizon is which is when exactly you will need the money. Uh, when will your retirement start? Uh, because once you have identified the time you have, you can calibrate your investments to an appropriate risk level based on that. So for example, if retirement was only five years away, you would be well advised not to take a significant amount of risk with your investments unless your retirement uh, income needs were accounted for somewhere else, say through a pension or you know, your social security benefits were more than enough to cover your needs. If you actually needed your investments to help cover your needs, then it would be well advised not to be taking that significant amount of risk with it because the need is coming up and investments go up, come down. We know over time they go higher, but they move in cycles that aren't exactly tied to calendar years. So you want to avoid a situation where you may be overly risky invested and 
your retirement starts during a challenging period in the market. It might make you feel uneasy. It might diminish your investment potential to be tapping your portfolio during a period where it's down. So first thing you have to do is understand what your time horizon is. And when you say risk, what do you mean by that? Well, risk, uh, there's, there's, there's three types of risk out there, actually. There's inflationary risk, which is the risk that your money loses value over time. This typically happens when people are uh, not invested and holding a significant amount of cash. Uh, the cash feels great. There's a s sense of certainty with that. But over time, you know, cash loses value to inflation. You know, a great example is think, uh, let's think back to 1995. Windows 95 had just been released and we were on the dawn of a new technology era. If you were at a dinner party and someone mentioned that they were gonna retire and said they had a million dollars to do so with, you might actually think they're gonna be okay because you know, in 1995, a million dollars was quite a bit of money. It was a significant amount of money, in fact. Uh, and today, a million dollars still is a lot of money, but it's not of the same magnitude. Uh, and that's really the effect of inflation over time. So that's one risk. Now, there's also the, uh, risk of market losses, that's actually losing money in the investment market. And I don't mean your investment's going down. See, investments go down and go up, and that is just a moment in time. It's when you actually sell your investments, and if you do so when they're down, that's when you actually create a loss. Uh, so there's inflationary risk, there's market risk, and then finally, there's mortality risk, which is the risk of you outliving your money. Uh, you know, you look at over the last 40 years what sort of advancements we've made in medicine from curing many ailments that a few generations ago there weren't cures for to actually replacing faulty organs in our bodies with uh, donored ones. So uh, what the next 40 years may have in store for us, who knows? But uh, making sure your money outlives you is also a risk you have to account. That's great, and uh, you know those are great ideas to think about, uh, but they also sound daunting to think about as well. And I'm wondering, beyond these these kind of uh, high level ideas, what are let's say the top three or top two things that people can do concretely, actions that they can take um, to a uh, you know in the short term make sure that they're headed in the right direction, um, and b uh, to, to make sure that uh, they are properly invested to, mm. to their goals. Sure. Well, the first thing I think that anyone can do uh, in terms of low-hanging fruit or an easy action they can take is to make sure they don't have any excess cash on hand. And what I mean by that is that, uh, th that y the individual or the household uh, determines what their cash reserve or emergency fund should be based on their specific situation, and then deploying any excess cash they have in, uh, in above what they need for the emergency fund into some sort of investment program. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? What you have to do is look at what your current household expenses are and add them all up. So that would be your mortgage and rent payment, that would be your car and gas payments, your insurance payments, any tuition you pay for your kids, your groceries, your cell phone bill, your Amazon bill, uh, everything. Uh, you'll come up with a number. And whatever that number is represents your monthly spending amount. 
you would want to keep anywhere from three to six months worth of that spending amount in a reserve account. Mm -hmm. That Once you've completed that task, you have identified essentially what excess cash you have available for investment. One important step there too, after you've figured out what three or six to six months in uh, cash reserve needs are, is to also make sure you've identified any known expenses that may be on the horizon, say within three years. And those could be like replacing your roof, uh, paying a child's college tuition, um, dental work that you have planned to do. Anything like that should also be added to your uh, cash reserve fund. And you know whether it's three or six months or even up to a year, that's really a personal preference. It you know every every person's going to be different with how much cash they feel comfortable keeping on hand, and something you could talk to your financial advisor about to figure out what the exact amount for you is right. So I hear to, I hear I'm hearing invest excess cash above and beyond the emergency fund, um, and and that is because of that inflationary risk that you were talking about before, which is to say that. You know, a lot of people think that cash is uh, the safest asset or the least risky asset to hold. Um, but uh, what I'm hearing from you is is that uh, you know it may be incredibly difficult for someone uh, to save or have the amount of assets that they would need to fund their retirement uh, without having the leverage of being invested over their lifetime. That's right. Uh, being invested in the in the capital markets uh, in a uh, diversified, high quality, U.S. centric type portfolio will help ensure that the effects of inflation aren't felt on your don't reach your capital because your capital will be working and growing over time. Uh, now, inflation. Currently is around two percent. Historically, it's been much higher, but uh, it would be important to keep an eye on that relative to how what rate your money's growing at to make sure you're at the very minimum after paying taxes and expenses are outpacing inflation with your money. Mm -hmm. So that would be about you know two percent or so. Great. So if you've got a bunch of cash now, or maybe if you don't, even if you're just starting out in in kind of your career. How would you concretely set up a savings program? Well, what you would want to do is first identify the excess cash and set that aside. And then also figure out if there's any capacity in your current earnings for uh, investing uh, in. So meaning, let's say your current monthly earning is $6,000 or $5,000. And you're spending four thousand dollars, so you know you might have two thousand in there of excess capital that you may have otherwise just been saving. Well, you know, one thing you could do is pick a number; it could be any amount, as low as fifty dollars, as high as a couple thousand or more, uh, and set up an automatic monthly distribution from your checking account directly to your investment account. You can set up a brokerage investment account uh, at most institutions. Uh, your bank even. Uh, we recommend working with a, a non-affiliated uh, major brokerage so you have some level of diversity with where your money sits. Uh, and you can link that investment account directly to your uh, checking or savings account and set up a reoccurring monthly distribution. It's like a bill that what the bill is actually paying yourself. Uh, 
And then on the investment side, you would want to have a set investment plan or set of investments. It could be a number of mutual funds, a number of ETFs, a selected number of stocks and bonds. And every time you come into some money, you uh, have it automatically get invested. So that could be that every two weeks or every month from your earnings. It could be that you have this in place and every time you get a bonus, it goes in there. It could be anytime you get a financial gift from a family member or a loved one or something else of that nature. Uh, and a portion of it or all of it goes into this investment program. And in terms of how the investment should be, in, should be uh, put into the market, how the assets should be invested in the market, that's really something that you would want to consult a financial advisor who's conducting research on the market, doing analysis. You feel comfortable both in terms of their ability to deliver sound investment advice and clearly communicate that advice to you um, as opposed to undertaking it yourself. And if you did want to undertake it yourself or didn't feel the need to uh, utilize a financial advisor, then I would suggest that you use a uh, diversified approach of low-cost index funds, getting exposure to the major indexes. Um, and that's something that uh, you could always call into our firm and ask for a discussion about, and one of the investment counselors here would be happy to talk to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, these ideas that you are throwing out are fairly simple, uh, you know, which is investing excess cash and automating savings. Mm -hmm. Wanted to turn to another fairly uh, simple but very powerful idea. I'm wondering if you can explain to our listeners uh, the concept of compounding and why it is so powerful. Because I think a lot of people are familiar with the term, but aren't exactly sure mm -hmm. what it means and, and why it is so powerful. Mm -hmm. So if you could speak to that a little bit. Sure, well, you know, Albert Einstein said that uh, compounding or the theory of compounding was one of the greatest breakthroughs of all time. And essentially it's the idea of uh, having your investments grow not just on top of what you invested, but on top of your investment earnings. So let me, let me, let me give you an easy example to follow. Uh, let's say you decide to invest $100, and at the end of the year, you've earned about a 6% return. So that's about $6. Now the next year, you uh, not, and let's say you leave the $6 in your investment account. The next year now, let's say you earn 6% again. Well, the difference here though is you don't earn that $6 again. You earn the $6 on the 100 you originally invested, but you also earn 6% on the $6 you earned the previous year. And so every year that you do this, what's compounding is the amount of capital that's earning a return. And so it's kind of like a snowball effect. Over time, it just gets bigger and bigger, and before you know it, it's pretty significant. Another way to think about it is think of yourself on a, on a really uh, tall hill. And let's say you roll a wheel down the hill. Well, the first 20 meters that uh, ball rolls down the hill, uh, the ball's gonna pick up some speed. Now, if you think about what speed it's going at at that first 20 meters versus how fast it's traveling at the very last 20 meters before the bottom of the hill, well, that's probably pretty different. And what happens is the ball just keeps picking up speed. And that's kind of what's going on with your investments. It's that uh, turbocharged effect of 
every year you're growing the capital base upon which you're earning an investment return. And uh, so the other important thing to keep in mind with this concept is that the longer, the, the earlier you get started with investing and the earlier you have your investments start compounding, it's like making the hill taller and taller. And the later, the longer you wait to get started or the longer you wait to get your compounding return program going, the shorter the hill's gonna be because there's just not enough time. So that's really the concept behind compounding return. Great, well there you have it. Be invested, automate savings and, invest, and investing, and also invest as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Great, well thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. Thanks Emily, thanks for having me. Uh, and thanks to you for listening. Now the disclosures, we'll see you next week. Please note the discussion of our investments and investment strategy represents our investments and investment strategy the date of this commentary and is subject to change without notice. We cannot assure that the type of investments discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will, will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information purposes only. References to individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell that security. The securities mentioned in this commentary are only several of the successful as well as unsuccessful events, investments made by us and do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data. Past performance is no indication of future results.